0: Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Topher. I think I know all of you guys. Um, And just thank you for being here. It's been a pretty stressful morning for me um, today, so I'm just glad to be here. Glad to be up here with you guys and about to share this message. I wanted to start off today with an introduction from one of Paul's letters. It comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. And I felt like it was fitting for our church to just hear an encouragement like this. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. It came with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Apparently, Paul lived in uh, Thessalonica for a little bit. Um, You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with... the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So these introductory remarks from Paul are not a whole picture of what he did for this church. Obviously he lived there before writing this letter. Um, I imagine a lot of time passed in between, he writes this letter. um, But imagine all of the other ministry that he got done with this church. Um, Without getting too far into my sermon material too quickly, I wanted to start here because it's a great reminder that we are not doing this alone. For Dwell Church, we are not alone in this partnership with God, Um, in Los Angeles even. We've got other communities around us that we partner with occasionally, Um, you know, our outreach and um, some other churches as well, but we are not alone here. Um, So I just wanted to bring that encouragement to you guys this morning. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Dear Jesus, thank you for the time to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be up here sharing this word I pray that you would be with us, that you would embody it, and that you would minister it to our hearts, even mine. Let it sit, let it marinate, let it grow into something that, I don't know, just moves us, shapes us into little use, into little Christians. Um, In your name we pray, amen. So in order to understand the point that I want you guys to walk away with today, we must first buy into that partnership idea that Paul touches on. God enables us and empowers each of us um, and communities like us around L.A. to be part of something bigger than all of us combined. We get to be part of that something bigger when we join in with what's already going on, when we show up to this thing that's already moving and shaping the world around us. So with that in mind, I want to reveal the title of this sermon and recap uh, afterwards where we're at with Joseph. I've called it, There's More to the Story. Um, and we're going to be looking at snapshots versus stories, um, saving versus stewarding. There's this discipleship and um, discipline idea that's also in there. Um, so, without further ado, um, are you guys all familiar with the story of Joseph? We've been covering it for the past couple weeks. Um, this is going to be the last sermon in the series. And we started off with it was Nick and then Sarah and then Nick again. Um, just kind of covering the arc. It starts in Genesis 37 and goes all the way to the end. There's a couple of verses later, but we don't want to worry about those. Um, but God has been causing me to wrestle with this idea of story writing lately. Um, just personally, you know, life looks a certain way right now. And while I'm not anticipating major changes um, anytime soon, there's this fear and anxiousness that I've started to like, be aware of lately, um, and it typically centers around the unknown of the future. Um, I'm positive that everyone goes through that, but you know, as you prepare a sermon, you, gotta, you just start to wrestle with certain things in new ways, and for me, that's what's been coming up. Um, work has been great. It's been stable. Um, there's a good future ahead for me. Um, I'm starting to actually grow my work as a freelance software developer into more of a business where I get to work with more people and more clients. Um, just being more on the managing side of that and that's it's great like that's it's looking up you know um, I've got a great relationship with Jackie she 's out in the kids right now, um, but we're engaged and we're it is teaching me more about myself every day um let's see. And I get to see my family more. I really appreciate that you guys are coming up and visiting more often. And actually today we have the whole crew here. So we got my parents, my brother Xander, and then my youngest brother who's six. He's with the kids today. Um, But they're all here today. So like, what could I complain about? What could I be worried about, right? But I find myself fretting over the unknown that comes like after the next thing that's after the next thing. Like super distant future, why am I concerning myself with it? I don't really understand. And just this week, um, like, even that is getting taken care of. Like, things are looking fine. The purpose behind me bringing all of this up is in the context of the story arc of my life. This is just one snapshot of a larger plot. It's two weeks of higher stress than usual. What is that compared to my lifetime? It's a snapshot that does not represent the larger story of my life. Um, and I take comfort in that. Actually, that really taking that perspective out, guys, really uh, let a lot of stress off. Um, so, just like I said in the intro, being part of something bigger, um, taking that perspective, um, zooming out a little bit, um, not only helps you get more involved into um, where you're around, but it like multiplies your efforts. You know, you guys know, you just partnering with other people multiplies the effort that you're all putting in does something bigger than yourself. The parts, or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? So this snapshots versus stories idea. Uh, In a city like ours, you guys probably know, or you should know by now, the components of a good story. Even if you don't live in LA. Like, you gotta recognize by now what it takes to make a good story. You've gotta have a cohesive plot, character development, symbolism, um, sub-stories, all of that sort of thing. And then on top of the actual elements, you want to have uh, relatability. You want to have emotions. Uh, and you, wanna, uh, you want things to be complex enough to be interesting, but not convoluted. Um, but similar to this idea of a snapshot, um, you can't look at one scene of a movie or one chapter of a book and know how the whole thing goes. I mean, sometimes you can make crazy predictions about what it's got to be, but... There's so much that goes on in a story that is not represented in any one snapshot. It's the cumulative kind of sum of those parts. So, to get into Joseph's arc, um, you guys will probably recall that Joseph had a lot of brothers. So, his dad is Jacob. He had 12 sons. Jacob, uh, Joseph was the second uh, youngest, but he was also the favorite. The rest of his brothers... Sold him into slavery to the Egyptians. Um, He lands himself in prison. He interprets some dreams. Um, Does any of this ring a bell? Okay, great. So that all happens, and then Pharaoh brings him up for um, some dream interpretation and then gives him a job. Basically, um, I think of, like, the prime minister of Egypt. So if you think of Theresa May to the Queen of England, like, this dude was powerful. Um, he had lots of control. So Joseph's brothers eventually come to Egypt. Um, I think that's where my passage starts today. In, in chapter 42, Joseph's brothers return to Egypt during the time of the famine. Do you guys know about the famine? So they come by looking for food. Joseph gives um, gives them their food for free plus like some extra money. Um, and it's like this back and forth of them going um, home and back to Egypt, and basically they find favor with Joseph because, like, they didn't recognize him. He recognizes them, though, and takes care of them. Um, let's see what else is going on. So, like, it, the, the rest of the passage wraps up with um, some other nice little stories about how his brothers get involved. Um, I think towards the end, he actually gives them like, this huge plot of land um, in a region called Goshen, if I remember correctly. Apparently really bountiful, so he hooks them up, right? He gives them a good place. Um, but in the middle, there's also like some plot where uh, Joseph accuses his brothers of being spies. And it's just like, he's messing with them, but testing them as well. Um, and if we were to look back on his life, any one of those little plot points doesn't represent the whole story. Um, and that's the idea that I want to be pulling on today with uh, there's more to the story. We've got snapshots and scenes from stories, but they're, they don't represent the whole thing. Um, so moving on, though, to the idea of co-authoring your story. So every story has an author. I don't really need to get into that. Um, what I wanted to talk about with co-authoring specifically in the context of, you know, our Christian lives, is that we're writing our stories with Jesus. We have control over how our lives go. Everyone's aware of that. Um, but there are two extremes of that. You can take all of the control. You can take, um, you, can, you can prohibit Jesus um, from letting him have any say in what you're doing. Um, and that's obviously not good. That produces Pharisees, people who are just, Overconfident and um, prideful, and there's tons of bad things with that. Let Jesus have a little bit of say. The other extreme, though, is to let Jesus have all of the say. You find yourself sitting back in your chair waiting for God to make all of the decisions, and that's equally bad. I can't stress that enough. There's a balance here, just like most things, there's a balance between letting Jesus have a say and letting yourself have a say. Um, we can take either too much control over the story um, or we can take too little of um, control. So how do we know the difference? How do we know where that balance is? And it's through discernment. As we become disciples of Jesus, as we spend time with him getting to know his voice, um, we just, whether it's a sense like this feels right um, or this feels right, uh, whichever, if you have multiple paths, you know, you might be drawn in a certain direction. You might be lucky enough to literally hear the voice of God, and that's awesome, that happens. Um, so wherever you find yourself, whatever situation you find, you find yourself in, the point of being a, of a, a disciple, partnering with Jesus, um, sticking close to his heart, is so that when you're in the, dis, in the situations where you have multiple decisions, you know where to go. You don't have to wait around, waiting for some magical sign. Too many people are just waiting around for some abstract thing that they don't even know what it would look like. And then when they get that sign, if they're taking the back seat, they're not going to know that it's the sign. So God's saying, hey, go this way, go left. And you're just, you just don't know what it sounds like for Jesus to say, hey, go left. So you just, you sit there paralyzed. It's not a great way to live. Um... And I I have it down here that I just wanted to like say, sorry, guys, if our church has failed you and you think that's how you got to live your life. I really don't think that we preach that message here, but I know that people come from all sorts of places and it hurts me to know that people will just wait here, waiting for something to happen and they don't know what that looks like when it does. And so now I'm entirely off track of my notes. Um... So, I'm going to quickly find this back. Oh, yeah, I want to go back to Paul. So, you guys know Paul. Not our Paul back there. He's great. But there's Paul from the New Testament who I was talking about earlier. Um, he started out, when we find him in, in the Gospels or in Romans, um, he's, we find him as a man who was murdering Christians all across the Roman Empire. This guy was a bad dude. So, villain of the story. Um, Then eventually he gets converted into a Pharisee of Pharisees, he calls himself. Uh, Paul eventually goes on to ministering to and partnering with little churches all across this same empire, Um, and it's pretty great. He wrote almost half of the New Testament, but I want to suggest that he must have been listening pretty close to the heart of Jesus, whispering the, the whispers of the Spirit, did he not? How could someone that powerful, influential, successful have that sort of impact without being so close to the heart of Jesus? He knew where to go, what to do, where to be by being close to Jesus. Um, And I kind of carried this theme backwards into Joseph as well. I started seeing this theme rise up as I read through the chapters and chapters on him. Joseph continually did well. He was a great steward of what, we, what he was given with, uh, given. Um, whatever happened to him, you know, the different circumstances that he found himself in, uh, wherever he found himself, and whatever work he was doing, um, you gotta know that Jesus' voice sounds, you know, like it, it's telling you to go left, but I know Joseph didn't have Jesus so, it's that sticking to your faith idea, um, being attentive to it, uh, intentionally pursuing it in order to know what the next step might look like. Um, and when it's hard and busy, just like it is in my life right now, it, things look good, but it's busy as heck. Um, there are several options. There might be several options in front of you. How do you know that you're picking the right one? It's... Um, It's building this trustworthiness over time, too. That's really what discipleship is. It's a long game. Um, People often ask, Lord, help me trust you more. Well, that's like an instant invitation to have very hard to trust Jesus situations come up right away, um, where he will build your trust in him um, and, actually, his trust of you. Can he trust you with what he's given you? Yes, okay, he'll give you more. and that's just kind of how it works. Um, yeah, so that's Joseph, that's Paul, that's discipleship. But what does that look like in L.A.? What is What does the story of Joseph have to do with any of us here in L.A.? So I want to look at him again, real fast, but as a career man. Just think of him as a man with a career um, in Los Angeles, in the in the hustling, bustling city of... Cairo or some, something. Um, he spent a long time there. There was, there was the seven years of prosperity before the seven years of famine. Um, but before that 14-year chunk, he was in jail for like two years as a slave. Um, and th- that's the place where we find him interpreting dreams. So when God gives him this, these dreams to interpret, he does well with them. And that comes back two years later um, to get him the job um, as Pharaoh's prime minister. Um, but I want you guys to think about the last seven years, years of your lives. I'm sure that it looks way different now than it did, what, 2012? Um, just bring it up into your mind. What has changed in that time? How many opportunities has God given you to trust him more and be trusted more um, in that time? Joseph got his job by a referral. That's a it's like a buzzword, I guess. Um, and it turned out to be this prime ministership. So he went, he did go from zero to 100 really fast, you know, slave in jail to the top of the country. Um, that's not very typical. But during that seven years of prosperity, he had to prove himself still. I'm sure Joseph could have easily had him executed if he wasn't following through on what he was, um, what he was given. And I'm not suggesting that God is gonna execute us if we don't prove ourselves trustworthy. But he just couldn't sit at the top um, of the nation for seven years. And when the famine struck, just figure it out. He was stewarding what he was given. He was stewarding what the nation was given so that when the hard times came, he was the trustworthy person that could be trusted with all of the resources, with feeding the country, with feeding everyone that was going hungry um, when that famine hit. I don't think he was just sitting around. I think he was putting his butt to work, stewarding the abundance of the land. He stuck to his plan that he told Pharaoh. You know, he gave, I think, like as a freelancer, I think uh, Joseph gave him a bid. He gave him a proposal, project proposal. And then, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be 14 years. Halfway through, things are going to start to suck. But I got you. I got this. We'll carry it. We'll be fine. Um, and what happened? He followed through. He was trustworthy with what he was given. Um, and I think that's just an incredible story. I had never really honestly seen it that way um, until I read through this passage, these uh, 40, uh, 42 through 50, um, in preparation for today. It was actually captivating what the arc of, of Joseph's life looked like, you know? I saw these snapshots. Um, Joseph is a slave. He got sold into slavery previously Um, There were some really crappy things that happened to Joseph, let's be honest. Um, But there were also some really great things, and together they make up an incredible story arc that I think is just amazing. So Jackie, can you come up for response? We're going to start to close this out. Um, Looking again at Paul, though, the lesson is to stay close to Jesus. We can't write a good story without that discernment piece. And that doesn't happen by just praying to hear the voice of God. That prayer is an instant invitation, as I said earlier, to sit with him, to learn his voice. When those new hard-to-trust-Jesus situations come up, that's an invitation to sit with him, to know his voice. And actually the third song today really struck me with that. It like tied so good. There's no place I would rather be than hearing your love. Whatever life looks like right now, there is no place where I would rather be than here in the love of God. And so whether or not you have a fuller picture of what the next season of your life might look like, as you grow in trustworthiness, the Lord gives you more and more to work with, bigger and bigger decisions to make on your own, giving you more control over your story, giving you more permission to decide what your life is going to look like. God isn't sitting up there playing puppet master. Um, and this is the part where I had that apology written earlier. So I'm going to reiterate it. I'm sorry guys, if that's what you think God is, he's not up there a ventriloquist. He's not up there making every decision. Um, think of it from a manager's perspective of a business. The manager is not there to, to do every little thing. That's why they hire other people to do those things. You got it? I think that's exactly what God wants as well. Um, I think in my last sermon, I touched on this idea of us being created in the image of God. Now, God is an inherently creative being, So what does it mean for us to be created in that image? It means that we are also creators. You can't create something new or something fresh if you're waiting on someone else to tell you what to do. You gotta go for it. You gotta take charge and you gotta take authority to make those decisions, to create something new, to make your life look like something that would honor Jesus, but not something that he gave you every little direction. That's not fun, that's not what life is about. But he doesn't want to be uninvolved either so this discernment idea this discipleship idea sitting with god in the quiet and in his presence getting to know his voice letting him have say where he wants to have say yielding to that and we even read in the bible about people who push back on that they get their way and things turn out great as people who know and love god He's going to be trusting us to make those decisions, to be writing those parts of our story. And I think we're all going to look back in a couple years, say, yeah, it was stressful. It was a little hard. And it was hard to trust Jesus with that. But it's going to be worth it. Think about the last seven years of your life. Maybe there's regrets. Maybe there's things you wish you could have done differently. But what does life look like today? Was it worth it? Thank you guys.